Hello everyone, my name is Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. Today on the show, this show is specifically for you if you feel in some area of your life or in every area of your life overwhelmed. So I'm working on a specific project with uh, my special guest today who's Mr. Corey Poirier. How are you Corey? I am doing world class. How are you doing Natalie? I like that. You know what, I'm doing really great too. Not world class, but um, I, I think I might adopt that. I like it a lot. <laughs> Please do, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so um, so Corey, we're going to start a little bit, first of all, with your story and your background. Um, you have quite a, an interesting background, to say the least. Um, and then we're going to get into this whole subject of, of this, you know, how we overwhelmed, why we feel this and, and how, we can, uh, how we can master it. So, so let's start with your story first. Yeah, it's it's quite a unique story, and there's definitely various different, I'm going to say, angles of the story, but I'll take the one that I feel most represents, you know, who I am and, and sort of how I followed the path I did. So I'm an only child, and my mother's an only child, and I, I feel that has a, a strong influence on who I am today. And in terms of the kind of the turning point in my life, from you know the guy that was the only child born in the small little town to the person that I am today was the day that I stepped onto a stand-up comedy stage in 2002 and first started discovering my passion. So you know that sort of changed all the rules and it, it kind of opened up my mind to what was possible and that a person could live a life where they could be world-class more days than not. And so you know that's sort of the biggest I guess pivotal point in my journey and what that led to is me getting into what my true passion is which is speaking and and doing training sessions and trying to influence and impact other people's lives for the better in a bigger way okay all right so let, let's let's backpedal a little bit and go back to the have, being a single child and and having a single and your mother being a single child as well so how specifically did that actually influence you do you think well, I feel that it influenced me in the way that my mother served as a great example for me. I got to see a lot of life lessons from her, and I feel that you know, if I had siblings, maybe I wouldn't have gotten the amount of attention I did and, and been able to see the life lessons as frequently as I did and in through the same eyes that I did. So I feel that influenced me in a big way, but it also made her and I extremely close you know, then right up until now. And right. so... You know, I feel that really defined who I was and helped me find my passion and, and sort of walk down that path because she gave me full support to do so. And I, again, I don't know if she would have been able to give me the same level of support if I had siblings that she was kind of splitting her time between. Right, okay. And so uh, stand-up comedy, like was this just a passion that you felt like that you had to follow? Like how, how did you get into that? Absolutely not. I uh, <laughs> What happened was I... I was mostly in the business world for a lot of years and I finally decided that I, I wanted to write you know, what I thought was going to be a screenplay but turned into a stage play. And I brought a stage play to life, brought it into a fringe festival and at the end of the festival we were driving down the street, me and one of the actors and he said, you know, I'm going to take this stand-up comedy workshop at the university. How would you like to join me? And I said, that sounds terrifying. I'm in. <laughs> so what happened was we found out that we were going to be doing stand-up comedy um, after two weeks of training. The training consisted of here's how you adjust the mic stand and Lenny Bruce rules. That was pretty much all they taught us about stand-up. And then the third week was we were supposed to go watch people entertain us. And we found out five minutes before showtime that we were actually the entertainers. 
So wow. that's how I got started in stand-up comedy. So I never knew what I, that I would take the stage. It definitely wasn't a passion. It wasn't something that I had ever kind of said I want to pursue this. And in fact, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a career as a stand-up comic because the comics that I watch would be Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, you know, and, and insert name here, but all comics that had TV shows or movies. And so I thought that the comedy was just a kind of a byproduct of them being movie stars. I didn't realize that they were making a living as well as a stand-up comic. So it wasn't something that I thought was even an option. Right. Awesome. Okay, so so we're up to stand-up comedy, and then we and then you know fast forward to now that we have you know this this project, the book that you that you're working on called Overwhelm. Question mark. Um, but uh, so what happened between those? Like what what got you into this project, and what motivated you to do this? Well, I'll give you the Reader's Digest story because it's it's definitely a long story, the journey since stand-up. But what I will say is that the stand-up, as I mentioned, led me into the speaking world. The reason being is that stand-up I liked, but there were some elements I didn't like, i.e. the audience hoping you failed because that means we're going to have a good train wreck show. So there were elements of it I liked a lot, elements I didn't. Same with training. And speaking, keynote speaking, was somewhere in the middle of the two. So that's how I got into speaking, and then that led me into doing interviews, you know, similar to what we're doing here, but interviewing, you know, I guess me on the other side, and interviewing a lot of what I'll call super achievers. I actually even add the word enlightened, so enlightened super achievers. So I'll uh, your Jack Canfields, your Zig Ziglers, and trying to understand, you know, sort of what made them want to impact people's lives in such a big way. And then, so for about probably the last... 12 to 13 years, that's how I've been living my life, both interviewing super achievers and going out and sharing messages myself with clients. And I started to recognize just in the last couple of years that one of the most common things I hear people say, even when it comes to learning, is, oh, I'd love to do that, but I just don't have time. You know, the most common thing I hear, and, and almost since the advent of social media, but it's, it seems to be that increasing more and more because I like to say that we're now in an information-heavy, wisdom-light world. You know, where you get hit with a ton of information, but how much real wisdom is there there? And because of that, people are pressed for time and seem to feel overwhelmed and feel they can't do almost anything. It's almost like, I can't do that because I'm busy, and yet I can't do this other thing because I'm busy. So I looked at these enlightened super achievers and said, how come they're able to still find time to do all these things? You know, how is a Jack Canfield at 69 years of age running multiple companies but can still go check out his good buddy Tony Robbins and sit in for a seminar? You know, what are these you know, guys and girls doing differently. So I decided after learning that, why not put a book together to share, you know, the common traits that these enlightened super achievers have. And the part that's added to it recently, Natalie, is I decided now now that I've done these interviews and have these insights, why don't I go through and sift through and pick out the top ones that I think relate to the book subject? And I added a second bonus section called Insights 101, which is the section you're going to be in with, you know, people like T. Harv Ecker and Jack Canfield and Shalene Johnson of Turbo Jam fame. And so that's kind of the bonus section to this overwhelmed book. So what the book will look like is one section on these findings that it took me years and sometimes thousands of hours to, to determine and put together. And then the second section is these insights that I want to share from these enlightened super achievers. So that's a very, very short version of you know the path I took to get to this point. It's wonderful. Okay, so, so can you share um, a couple of the insights that maybe surprised you the most? or that, that you found was like a very common thread um, amongst most of the people that you interviewed? Absolutely. One of the biggest ones is, and it's something that was hard for me as somebody who grew up in a small little community in town. You know, my grandfather always taught me, say yes to everything. And then, you know, Sir Richard Branson has, has a great quote that says, say yes to everything and figure out how to do it later. 
And I often, what I've learned since is I feel that Richard's quote means say yes to everything you want to do. But I think sometimes people think that means say yes to every single thing you're asked to do. And my grandfather, you know, raised me, say yes to everything. you got to be polite. And so it was very hard for me to understand and start employing the fact that most of these enlightened super achievers set their life up so they start with no and say no to most things that they know they can't take on so they can say yes to the things that they feel they should and have to take on. So I think the biggest surprise was how important it is to be able to say no versus the idea of saying yes and just taking everything on. That was a big surprise for me, but it's almost, you know, infallible. Like it's it's I would say it's an 80 to 90% rule that these these lightened super achievers understand that they have to say no more often than yes. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. I um I was answering a question from someone in the Mind Movies community this morning. Um, and they said, "Look, we ha I've got a choice between two things." And they they uh, they wanted to be they want to be a fiction writer. They want to be a writer. So their choices were um, this opportunity came along, so they could build a, like a platform, so they could support other writers and do webinars and all this kind of thing. Or there's this other opportunity that came up to go to the National Writers Association conference and be with other writers. They're like, "I don't know which one to do." And I'm like, "Well, okay, I think you already know the answer to this." Um, obviously you need to be with other writers and you need to go to this conference um, and I'm like this this option, this opportunity here is not really helping you to write and believe me, take it from someone who knows has got a business on the internet, that's a lot of work and none of it invites fiction and involves fiction writing. So I think the thing is and, and what's, what's behind the saying no is that just because an opportunity comes your way doesn't mean that you have to take it and if you have a very clear vision of what your end result is going to be, those decisions are easy. Don't you think? They are for sure. And so, Natalie, one of the things that I talk about in the book and share just the approach that I use, and I've come to discover some people that I've went to, you know, meet, met in sessions or seminars they put on that they're doing a similar thing. So I don't think it's something that I've kind of discovered and it's all mine or I'm, you know, I'm on my own in it, which, as you know, with most, uh, most things related to personal development, you know, we're all finding our own unique perspective on something that's, you know, ancient and works. But, one, so what I've discovered that works for me is I actually have to be really clear on what I want my mission to be. So you know, what are the things that I want to achieve? So my mission statement is that I essentially want to make sure that everything I do as a way of uh, donating, inspiring, motivating, educating, or entertaining. So what I do is I look when somebody asks me if I want to take something on, is it going to do any of those things? If it's a zero, then it's an easy no. It's the easiest no I've ever had. If it's five or four, then it becomes a pretty easy yes. If it's in between there, then it's a think about. But to me, that's as easy as it gets to decide, is this a yes or a no? So that's the strategy that I real, reveal in the book. And obviously, I go in a lot more depth. But it's exactly what you just said, Natalie. If, you, if you're clear on what you want to achieve, you know almost right away if this is a yes or a no. And if it's one that makes you stop and think, then take the time to stop and think because there's a reason. Maybe it is a good one. But you know, it's important to decide if it is a good one or not based on what you're looking to achieve. Yeah. And then every once in a while, an opportunity will come along. Like you know, I don't know if you've heard much about the the uh, project I'm doing in Colombia, working with underprivileged children there. Uh, an opportunity come along. I know I'm, I'm I know I've got this Miami Visa for Kids program. An opportunity's come up to to work with these underprivileged kids in Colombia. But then they asked me to create a curriculum to be taught in the schools to six to twelve year olds. Now, of course, I have to say yes to this. 
even though I have absolutely no idea how to do this, I'm like, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll do it. But the thing is sometimes those opportunities come along that scare the hell out of you, um, but you still have to say yes to that. And even though it's, it's something that you may think is well and truly outside of your ability, because it is in alignment with your end result, even though it scares you, it's something that you have to say yes to. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, those are the ones I say yes to quicker. As long as they're the key thing you just said is in alignment with my goals. Because I've discovered my passion and has always been inside my comfort zone. So if I'm not willing to expand my comfort zone, I'll never be the best version of myself possible. So the ones that scare me are the ones that I feel have the best opportunity for growth. So yeah, the key thing there is if it's outside my comfort zone, but it also doesn't take me close to my end goal, then it's still a no to me. But if it's inside my comfort zone, or sorry, it's outside my comfort zone, but it's within my goal, then it's it's a pretty easy yes. So I agree with you completely. I mean, that was one, you know, I can see where you had to say yes to that. And then Richard's quote really applies. Say yes to that and then figure out how to do it later. Yeah, so so that that definitely is the application of that. So tell me some of the people that you've interviewed for the for this project and this book. So some of the people that we've had on the show, we've interviewed over the years and who have contributed to the book and, and every person that's in the book has actually, for, for example, with the insights, they've actually approved their insight that they're sharing. But we, I mean, essentially we didn't change it. It's, it's exactly as they said it, but we went for their approval rather than just take it for granted to put it in. So what's really cool is it's first-hand experience, but they're sharing it and saying, I agree that I want to share this insight. So uh, who is in the book? It's everybody from, I, I mentioned Jack Canfield, obviously I'm a big fact, uh, fan of Jack's as well. Um, uh, yourself, Natalie, you're in the book. T. Harv Ecker, so he's the author of The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Tony Horton of P90X. People might know the P90X workout program. Uh, Shalene Johnson, uh, if I mentioned Turbo Jam, that program. Uh, Dr. John Izzo. Uh, Tom Ziegler, I mentioned Zig Ziegler earlier, so Tom uh, Zig's son is in the book as well. And yeah, and, and almost uh, very close to 100 more. Uh, thought leaders. Oh, oh, Tom Hopkins is also in the book. So Tom Hopkins wrote How to Master the Art of Selling, which is the best-selling sales book of all time. So yeah, a lot of uh, thought leaders are profiled in this book and share some insight. And I'm still kind of blown away that both I've interviewed these people and actually that they're willing to share their insight in such a big way. You know, it's amazing. So, and I, I really I thank you for this work because you know it really is an important message for us to 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 listen to and to hear and to apply and to absorb and in, and to embody because you know so many of us are now realizing you know our, our purpose is always the same. I think for everyone, our purpose is to you know to to live a life um, where we are making contribution, where we're being the best version of ourselves. But the mission in which that shows up is different, and uh, and the information that you have in this book is going to really help people step into them personal mission, whatever that is. So if people want to um, contact you and connect with you or download the book, where can we send them? Well, absolutely. And one last little tiny thing I'll mention, Natalie, because I, I thought it's, I shouldn't be, I'd be almost remiss not to mention this. So with the insights in the book, it's not just, you know, your household name thought leaders as well. We actually wanted to bring people in that are achieving at a high level and have this great insight, but they might you know, just be starting on their journey. So right off the top of my head, we have a, a great uh, singer-songwriter named Christine Campbell, who I've become a big fan of, who, you know, we provided her insight in the book. She just opened for Bob Seger. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I just want to share as well that when people get the book, they can also expect to learn from people that are just starting on their journey, too. I just think that's an important side note. And how people can get the book, probably the best approach is to go to our website. Uh, it's a very easy website. It's thepassioncure.com. Relates obviously well to my passion world. And if they go there and they actually sign up for the for our newsletter right on that main page, at this point that's the easiest way because everybody that's on our newsletter, we're going to send them out the note and they're going to see first 
whenever the book is available. We're going to have a page set up for the book where people have a unique access code, but for anybody already in our, our newsletter list, they're going to be the first people to know about it. So I would say just go to thepassioncure.com, sign up in the main page. It's pretty easy. It takes a couple of seconds, and they'll be in the list. And actually, when they sign up, they'll actually get uh, three copies of our top ten list as well, just as an added bonus too. Wonderful. So guys, if you click on the banner to the side, if you're watching online, or the banner underneath if you're watching on the app, it'll take you straight through to that page. So thanks again for joining me, Corey. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Thank you, Natalie, and feel free to steal the world class because I'll still be doing world class longer after our interview. So, so right. I, hope, I hope you live with passion today and we'll chat again soon, of course. Wonderful. All right, so guys, I encourage you to share this video. You can do that by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons on this page. Make sure that you leave your email in the box on this page so I can send you the Manifesting with the Masters video e-course. It's actually valued at $87, and I'd love to send it to you for free. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. We'll see you soon.